0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. My name's John, also known as the Esh. Uh, It's great to be here. If you have a Bible, would you please turn to Philippians, the book of Philippians. If you need a Bible, we can get that into your hands. Jer or Brad can get you a Bible. A couple, just another brief announcement. We've been talking about uh, a guy named Boogie. If you're new to Branches, um, you've never been here, uh, Boogie is is a nickname for a guy named Eric Rose, who he and his wife, Stephanie, sort of envisioned this community many years go- ago. And he is uh, very ill up at UCLA Medical Center. And he goes by Boogie because he used to be a, a, like a pro-Boogie boarder. And so he got the nickname Boogie. And then because we're not into long names, we had to go even briefer just to Boog. So he is now known as Boog. Um, which just sounds weird sometimes if, you, if you're coming into a new community and you're like, and we just pray for bug, and it's like, what's a, what's a bug? <laughs> I have no idea what a bug is. Um, I have a bug in my nose. I don't, all those sorts of things. Uh, but just two announcements about that. Uh, one, the family and the doctors are asking us to not go visit him. So if you feel this inclination to go up there and visit, please uh, restrain yourself. Uh, What we have instead, uh, Janet Landreth had a beautiful idea of creating a book and providing an opportunity for us to write him notes. And so there is paper and pens in the back on on one of the tables, I believe. And uh, I think the back back right, okay, so my right, uh, back there, there's paper and pens. And uh, Stephanie reads these uh, notes to him and these letters and the comments that you leave on the GoFundMe page. Uh, she reads all these to him and they are of tremendous encouragement to Bug. They lift his spirits. Uh, he's got pictures of his family on the wall and verses and all sorts of things that, are, that help him keep fighting. And so your words of encouragement are very important. So uh, sometime after the service or if you like feel yourself nodding off during my talk, just get back there and start writing, uh, whatever you need to do. Uh, So anyway, we're beginning a series on the book of Ephesians, Philippians, uh, that's going to center on this theme of gratitude. Gratitude. And I just think it's a great way to start the year with gratitude. Um, And This was, uh, for many of us in this family, an uncomfortable start to the year, I would say, uh, with a dear friend of ours uh, clinging to life. And so, this was Boog's thought. Like, I want to do a series in Philippians centered on gratitude. This was his idea. And so, we're following through with it. And it just feels like it fits perfectly for what we're going through. And uh, I... Yeah, I think Boog has definitely got his ear turned towards the Lord, and I think without all the distractions that we generally live with, uh, when you just have to lay there with your eyes closed for most of the time, you actually have an opportunity to hear. <laughs> and I, my sense is that he's hearing from God. And so as I was reading through all of chapter one, and and for me, these are tough messages to give because it's not like I'm coming in from the outside to give a one-off message. I'm feeling all this with you guys. And uh, so as I was reading this, I was was encouraged, I guess I would say, very encouraged by the words that Paul has written here. Uh, I'm not going to read all of chapter one to you this morning, though I would recommend you should read all of it. It's only about 30 verses, so uh, but this, this week and last week's sermons have been difficult in my preparation and uh, I feel like sometimes I'm heading into like a really long train wreck you know of a, of a sermon of a talk and it's kind of like if I were sitting in the audience I'd be like oh ooh oh that poor guy oh we should just end it you know let's close in prayer and let's <laughs> somebody save him uh, but let me uh, read for you just the first six verses of Philippians and, uh, and really the way Paul is written here and I'm going to talk about it is kind of how I'm going to be talking this morning. Like there's going to be these moments that I feel like that was really good and then there's going to be these moments of like I can't talk and doesn't make any sense. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, he says in, in verse one, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. With the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now, I'm confident of this that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Now, those are some beautiful words. And Paul's writing this letter from prison, okay? This is one of what they call the prison epistles, one of the letters from prison that Paul is writing. And Paul is in chains. He's likely chained to a Praetorian guard, so he's... 24 hours a day, chained to some, like, empire-serving guard. These are, like, mean, ruthless people. And Paul's chained to them. And and what we find out is probably one by one, these people are realizing, I'm chained to, like, the most persuasive evangelist that has ever walked this earth. (laughs) You know? Like, Paul was a, a tremendous leader and influence in the church in the early in the early days, and these guys are chained to them. It doesn't matter how hard, and he's faced everything. So I, I just often wonder what those conversations were like, you know, being chained to Paul. Um, but he's writing this from prison, and it's not like comfy prison, you know. This is, these are terrible places to be, and he's writing to this church in Philippi that he has a, a dear love for because they set, they've been sending him some support. Basically, like, they're providing his meals for him. they're getting clothes to him. They're, you don't get all these things just from the state. You know it, They have to be provided from friends from without. So uh, And what we're finding out is that this is likely towards the end of his journeys. Paul traveled all over uh, the ancient Near East and Europe, uh, trying to tell people about Jesus, this good news. And it's likely towards the end of his journey and he's facing execution. He's an enemy of the state, uh, is what Paul is. In Paul's day, the Roman Empire was this huge military superpower. And they would march into your city and proclaim, Caesar is Lord, is what they would say. And if you disagreed, they had this way of changing your mind called crucifixion which is this very brutal, prolonged form of execution. They had mastered how do we keep someone alive for such a long time and in so much pain but not actually kill them right away. Uh, So Paul is chained to this guard. He couldn't go to the bathroom in privacy. He couldn't do anything. Uh, It's a completely demoralizing situation he's deprived of all the basic needs and necessities on possibly on his way to his own death and he's grateful for these people because they love him dearly and have sent support money and so he says grace and peace to you paul in this terrible situation says saying to him saying to these people joy and pleasure harmony all of the best things every kind of good To you guys. That's what I want for you. That's the loose translation of grace and peace. I mean, this is a guy at one point they pushed him off a cliff and threw rocks on him. Uh, And here he is, is I'm I'm living to testify to the grace of God. Something terrible's happened to Paul, right? But he's worked out a definition that we're gonna get to of what life is all about, and he's writing them to tell them not to worry, don't worry about me, I'm not discouraged. And so I want to I look at one verse here that I think is, is important because Paul has faced the hardness of life. If you, if you were here last week, I shared with you some tough verses. There are difficult times in our life. There is evil in this world. There are some things that just are and that suck, <laughs> right? And at the beginning of uh, 2 Corinthians Paul, kicking off that letter in, in verse 8, he talks about, I don't want you to be uninformed, my brothers and sisters, about the hardships we faced in Asia. And I just want to read what he writes there because uh, I think sometimes there's a, a tendency in spiritual situations and in religious communities to say that if we're really connected to God and we're we have integrity in following him, then things are gonna work out and they're just gonna be okay and it's gonna be fine and we're good, we have it together. And let me just read Paul now, if you know him, just one of the wonderful leaders and founders of our church. He just says, oh, we don't want you to be unaware of the affliction we experienced in Asia and here's how my, my uh, translation reads it. For we were so utterly unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, that to me doesn't sound like God won't give you anything you, won't, you can't handle. Those are the things that I hear sometimes of these sort of trite Christian sayings and like, you just need to sing more worship songs and you know, have a good outlook. And I'm thinking, well, Paul says here, uh, we just kind of wanted to give up. We were ready to be done. Like, just take me now. This is too much. Uh, and yet, I mean, he's so discouraged. So yet he writes, because he's in prison and his church is probably going, What, you know, back in Philippi, the church that he had kind of sort of started it, is probably going, man, this this is terrible. What do we do now? Like, our... Our elder brother is in, in prison. He's facing crucifixion. This is not going well for us. And he writes to them because he's concerned. I don't want you guys to be discouraged. I'm not discouraged, <laughs> at least at this point in, his pa- in the passage. <laughs> it doesn't mean he hasn't been discouraged. But read verse 12 with me. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. A little little nod right there to these guys that have been chained to Paul. (laughs) The whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. And I was just as I think about like, where our brother is, Eric Boogie Rose, in this hospital, I think these are the words that I think he's saying. I want you to hear this. Yes, it's dark and it's evil and it's tough, and it sucks. And I cannot bear it. And Steph cannot bear it. It is unbearable. I am crushed. And I saw him, and he is crushed. And yet, he says, this, this actually can be redeemed. And Steph has been writing just some of the most amazing posts. Uh, if you, if you want to hear someone that is sort of unmediated experiences with God right now, read some of Steph's writings in the GoFundMe page. And I just want to read what she wrote, and this is from a little while back. Uh, These are her words uh, recalling what Boog said. She says, what is happening to this amazing man who has loved God with all his heart most of his life is so challenging for me. And I think it's challenging for us too, would you agree? However, within the first hour of his tubes being removed, this is what he said. If only one more person comes to faith in Jesus through this, it's all worth it. And then she writes, God will be glorified in all things. Excuse my emotion. But unbelievable. Is it not fitting that we're reading these words of Paul in this time and this season and almost the same things are being written by Our brother and sister I think it's just beautiful now some other thoughts we'll just read a little further verse at the end of verse 18 we'll pick it up there it says yes and I will continue to rejoice just remember where Paul is what he's experiencing. Because he says here, yes, I will continue to rejoice. And he doesn't go into detail in verse 12 that what has happened to me. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me, that I've been beaten, I've been flogged, I've been tortured, I've been stripped, I've been utterly humiliated and crushed and beaten down and had, I've been pushed off cliffs and had rocks thrown on me. I've been thrown into prison and chained. I've been I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel. And then at the end of verse 18, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Huh. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance. Or that word there also can be translated salvation. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he goes on, if if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I don't know which I prefer. I do not know. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to to depart and be with Christ. That sounds pretty good. For that is far better, he says. But to remain in the flesh is, is more necessary for you guys. Since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and joy in the faith so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Just some thoughts here. Paul, is it sort of like a a tension? You feel that tension that he has there? I don't know if I want to go or if I want to stay. There's been some times when I wanted to give it all up and I was pressed beyond bear, uh, it was unbearable. And then there's been these times where I think I need to be here because it's good for you guys that I continue to share and point you in the right direction towards Jesus. And so he has at this point, uh, for me, this is what I define my life by. It, It transcends my circumstances. For me to live is Christ. And that word there is Christos, and to die is gain, and that word there is kurdos, and it's this bit, bit of, in the Greek, it's like a poem, Christos, kurdos, and it's this beautiful, but then, but then it breaks down, and you feel the tension in Paul's writing, and he says, and if I were to kind of read it translated literally from the greek it would read but if to live in the flesh this for me fruitful fruit of labor and i might choose i do not know the force is strong with the young jedi it just like does not make sense right like it it breaks down the syntax of the sentence all of a sudden goes from this is the guy paul this is the guy that brought us love is patient love is kind Clothe yourselves with compassion and humility and gentleness and kindness. And this is the guy that wrote, having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the guy that writes, Christos, kurdos. Mm -hmm. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And now it just, blah. Like he just went to like Yoda third grade grammar. His writings have resounded through the ages with beauty and depth. And then the language breaks down here. And one scholar, Peter O'Brien, he says at this point, Paul's language becomes somewhat obscure, and the grammar of the passage reflects the conflicts of feelings in his mind. The rather disjointed sentence expresses this hesitation. He could get killed in the next few days. That stress has affected his writing. And Ralph Martin, another scholar, says the agitation in Paul's mind is clearly to be seen in the broken syntax of his writings. And these scholars say his writings show the deep tension. I do not know. I am hard pressed between the two. He might have to say goodbye to all his friends that'll be tough but then i would get to be with christ that would be far better this is a man who's riding under significant psychological strain would you agree how do you feel when you might be crucified in the next few days and yet he has he has just there's this ambiguity of the moment, right? And there's four verses I want to go over to kind of express uh, the great tension because uh, there's been times when I want to end it all, but then I have also these very clear beliefs and convictions. I'm confident of certain things. At some points, it's unbearable. I've gone through these terrible things just like Jesus, who I rem- if you remember from Mark 14:32 that I read He says, I'm distressed and aggrieved unto death is what Jesus says. But look in verse six, like we read, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That kind of says two things about Paul. One, this is a clear conviction and confident belief that he has, right? Uh, That God does not give up on people. God does not give up on people. And this is all headed somewhere to the day of Christ Jesus. There is an arc to this narrative where eventually there will be a day when everything is restored. And then he writes in verse 10. To help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless. This story, again, it's headed somewhere. In the end, this narrative is headed somewhere. It's all going to be restored. Look at verse 12. Again, I want you to know, being flogged and tortured and beaten, it's all served to advance the gospel. All these horrible things that have happened to me are actually coming out as good. Actually, some of these things... These atrocities, these evils, these unbearable, awful things that I've experienced are actually turning to gold. One, uh, one pastor, Tim Keller, he says, this is the God of alchemy. And, and uh, he's the ultimate alchemist. He, alchemy was originally this art of turning lead into gold. How do we get to turn this, what they believed in these ancient ages, this useless substance of lead into something beautiful and refined, God becomes the ultimate alchemist of redeeming evil and suffering. Now, what I'm learning here is that suffering can be redemptive. It doesn't mean that it's not horrible. It doesn't mean that it's not awful or evil. But when he's getting to the other side of the event, it it just becomes a living symbol of God's grace and redemption. And that's what he's trying to communicate here. And then look at the the end of of verse 18. Again, because of this, I rejoice. And we're focusing on gratitude here throughout this, this next month. Rejoice. Remember, he's writing from prison he could be on death row. He could face execution in the next few days. And he just says, and I, con- I just continue. I just continue to rejoice. This is somebody that believes joy transcends your circumstances. The joy that this person has tapped into is greater than, is greater than the pain of the circumstance. His understanding of what defines life, to live is Christ, to die would be even better. It transcends the circumstances. So there are these two forces at work on him, his convictions and his beliefs, history headed somewhere, Jesus can be trusted, he does not give up on you. And there are his thoughts and feelings that are all over the place. Man, I just wanted to die. I didn't want to keep going. I don't know what to do. Like, I want to stay here because that would be good for you guys. But if I could go be with Jesus, that would be even better for me. I, I'm hard-pressed. His feelings. Now, this never happens to you, right? I have my thoughts, my convictions, my beliefs, and I'm a smooth, steady aircraft carrier. My emotions and my feelings, they fall in line all the time. Not so much. Not so much, right? This is a man I can identify with. Oh, yeah, Jesus. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who, you know, strengthens me, except have any amount of patience for my daughter who's screaming in my ear. (laughs) except not flip that guy off who cut me off on the freeway. <laughs> I mean, and those are small things, but but those are the things. Those are the things. And then there are the larger things that come in. Like what we're dealing with with our brother in the hospital, like what Paul's dealing with with facing execution. I don't know what to choose. And there's this misnomer, this lie that the closer you are to God, the more Jesus follower you are, the, the less suffering that you might experience or the more your life will just make sense and fit together perfectly. Not so much, right? We learn that from Jesus himself. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. That's what Jesus says. But Paul is kind of saying through this, Two different things. Look, it doesn't matter to me whether I live or die, I'm not in despair. I have this definition of life that enables me to transcend my circumstances. So, I, I suppose how, how are you defining your life is a great question. For Paul, it was all hanging on for me to live is Christ. You have convictions and beliefs, and then you've got your emotions and your feelings, and they're at odds at times. I want to just close with a story. Uh, In 1979, a man named Mehmet Ali Aja, does anybody know that name? He uh, made an, an attempt to assassinate the Pope, Pope John Paul II. And uh, I have a picture. Uh, he got really close. So you can see his hand with the gun. This is pre-Pope Mobile. Um, he got to a point-blank range and fired and shot the Pope. And he took two in, in the gut, two in the intestines. He shot, fired off four shots before he was taken down. Um, now how do you feel when someone shoots you point blank? I've never been shot point blank, but I'm a f- I would have certain feelings towards the person firing a gun at me from, oh, looks like about this far. The Pope has certain convictions and beliefs, would you agree? And yet there are also the emotions and feelings that come with facing someone who has shot you in an attempt to take your life, that you don't even know this person. This guy was hired, paid to do this. What does the pope do? (laughs) The pope, when he is well enough, he goes to the man who is in prison And he forgives him. (laughs) There's a picture here, if we can find the second picture, of this is the Pope shaking his would-be assassin's hand in prison. And he prays for him and over him, and at the end, they hug. And this guy ends up kissing the Pope's ring. I don't know, I'm not super into the Catholic whole thing I don't that's not my background so I don't know all of what that entails but he shows deference to the pope now again there are times when and I would argue this for paul our beliefs and our convictions trump our feelings and emotions and this is one of those times for paul for for John Paul, Pope John Paul II, where his beliefs and convictions trumped his feelings and emotions to be able to walk up to this man and forgive him and hug him. (coughs) And for Paul to say, this is actually working out in our favor. (laughs) This is turning into good for us. And I think Boog lying in that bed is is trying to communicate even just by saying, this is what we're going to go through. This is actually good, and we should rejoice that Christ is being preached and that the gospel is going out. I mean, just look at all the people that are being brought together in the name of Jesus because of his affliction. His suffering is redemptive. And so we rejoice, amen? We rejoice. And I think that's a little of what Max was saying when he was up here, was, yeah, this has been a hellacious start to the year, but, and yet, we rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Because Christ is being preached, and the gospel is going forth with more boldness. Right? Right? I mean, I'm posting things like, pray for this guy and Christ, work a miracle. And we're, you know, people from all over that, you know, Hobie Surf Shop is posting stuff. You know, send good thoughts and feelings. This is as close as they can get probably to prayer. They don't say that word. But that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, it's hyper-focused and galvanized on there is a God who can heal. And we serve and praise and rejoice because that God is our God. And we can have connection to him. And Boog's reminding us of that. His affliction is redemptive. And so we rejoice with Boog. I think if Boog could be here right now, he would be like, Yes, look, at this is it. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. We are hyper focused on Jesus and his saving, healing power, and this is good news for everyone. Great news. The gospel is going forth with boldness. So let us rejoice. He makes makes gold out of lead, (laughs) that's what God does. So let's heed Paul's words here. This is actually helping. And that's hard to... There is the struggle, the tension. But let our convictions and our beliefs trump our feelings. And let us rejoice alongside Paul and alongside Boog and alongside Steph. Read her posts. They're completely raw. I am crushed. I am in hell. And yet... I have hope and peace and comfort. It's all there in her own writing. And it's right here in Paul's writing. They mirror each other beautifully. Don't miss out on that. That's the God we serve who can redeem even the most evil and horrible of situations. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we... uh, We are conflicted and torn because on the one hand, we are mourning and on the other we rejoice because your name is going forth with boldness and we proclaim that you are the great healer, that you want to redeem and restore all of us and everything. Lord, we want to tap into that joy that Paul talks about, that transcends our circumstances, whatever our own personal battles and struggles may be, that perhaps for us to live could be Christ, and that the joy would transcend. Lord, give us strength to remember that each breath is a gift, That life is a gift. And that in you, we live even though we may die, just as you told Martha and Mary. We believe this. And we praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.